Two weeks ago, I started to speak to you about being a game changer. And in life, there are many, many rules. And very often, the rules of what I call the game try and change you rather than you changing the rules of the game. I'm not talking about breaking the law. I'm not talking about being anti-establishment. I'm not talking about going against, against the, uh, the civil authorities. I'm talking about when life tries to dictate to you how you should do things. And this is the time when the Bible talks to us about how, into, how we should stand and rise in the midst of an oncoming onslaught of uh, society and its philosophies. And we talked about Martin Luther. Martin Luther, I'm not talking about Martin Luther King, I'm talking about Martin Luther the Reformer, the Protestant Reformer, who in 14, uh, was it 1483, began to go against the system, began to find his voice, begin to rise up, and began to change the game and change the rules of the player. Because the Catholic Church at that time was dictating everything. It used to raise money for its armies. It used to raise money for its interests right across Europe. It used to do many, many things. And it was, the, it was definitely the game, the game player and the rule maker right across Europe. You look at how vast the Catholic Church has become. And yet, not many things have changed within it. So though my, my purpose this morning is not to find fault with Catholicism. But my, my purpose this morning is to show you how they at one time was the rule maker. They, they were the ones who dictated the, the rules of the game of how Christianity was played throughout Europe. And yet, they totally ignored Scripture. They went against Scripture. You never had access to the same God they had, that the apostles wanted you to have access to. Do you understand that? So now we're living in a, in a Protestant Reformation. The Reformation is still going on. But what's happened now is as, as people have pushed against the game and have changed the rules of the game and have ignored the legislators of the game, the gospel has become more accessible right around the world, so that you are here right now, sat here with a Bible in your hand. That was never once allowed or possible. So game changers had to go against the system so that they could find ways to get the gospel out and get the gospel into everyone's hands so that you and I now can make decisions and choices that once upon a time you never had. Wow. Now, if you put yourself in an Islamic nation... That's like going back to the same kind of environment that Martin Luther found himself in. You wouldn't be allowed to share Christianity. You wouldn't be allowed to put a Bible into some people's hands. And you would be persecuted if you were found doing so. Yeah? So we don't have to go back to the mid Middle Ages to, find, to, to use that as an uh, illustration. We only have to look at modern day uh, living and certain parts of the world your gospel is not wanted and not welcomed. Yes? And people will do all they can to persecute you and to get it out of their nation. Do you know that? They'll do that. So Martin discovered, or should I say Luther discovered, a piece of revelation that came from Romans chapter 4, verses 1 to 25. We're not going to read it. but And also going into Romans chapter 5, verses 1 
to 2. I'll read that part for you. And this, is, this was his revelation. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Okay, okay, just keep your eyes on me. He's doing something in the background. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. That piece of revelation turned the whole game upside down. He reads all Romans chapter 4, 1 to 25. And then, he, uh, then he goes into Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. And this whole revelation turns, turns him into becoming no longer a conformer, but a game changer. Do you make that? Do you understand that? So, one revelation can turn your world upside down. One piece of revelation from the Holy Spirit can turn you upside down. That's how powerful, when God speaks, and he wants you to become a game changer, he only has to whisper something inside your heart, and it can change the game. So when you're in work, and you're fighting off your boss and, and, it's, and uh, the policies, God can speak one word into your heart that can give you a strategy of how to change the rules of the game. You think, well, I don't, I'm not a, a policy maker. No, but maybe you could be a policy changer. Maybe you don't need to change the policy. Maybe the policies are fine, but you still need to find your voice. You need to find your voice in whatever system you're in, whatever philosophy you work on the backdrop of, you have got to find your voice. Now, if we could have got the first video, it was a humorous cartoon of a guy singing about how to find your voice. The whole thing of the voice, is it not possible, uh, Z, no? Can you try again? Yeah, it's okay, I'll keep speaking. You know me, I'm not shut down that easy. The chorus of the song said this, listen. The line of the song went like this. When no one listens to what you want to say, you're too small, you're too young, you haven't begun to learn the games they play. Don't sit around, just wait for it. Oh, just don't sit around, just wait for it to be a better day. Speak up and be heard. If you don't say a word, everything will stay the same. This is the chorus of the song, right? There it is, right in the corner, you just had it then. Uh, I've lost where I was now. Speak up and be heard. If you don't say a word, everything will stay the same. If you want to change the way your life is arranged, then you have that choice. You have a choice to be the star that you know that you are. Be loud, be proud, and rejoice. Yeah? And find your voice. Just find your voice. You know you've got that choice. So now go and find your voice. How powerful is that? That's a cartoon. I would have played it. It's, it's nearly there for, for some reason. Keep laying hands on it, Dave. So here we see the video of, well, here we would have seen the video. Hey!
Okay, cut it now. You've got the choice to find your voice. You've got a choice. Some of you don't like the idea, or some of us, I should say, some of us don't like the idea of being heard. One of the greatest fears of asking young people to stand up and share what happened is they can hear their own voice. And standing up in front of people is a fear factor for many people, is it not? Of course it is. But this is called public speaking. But when you're finding your voice in life, you're doing it one-on-one. More often than not, you'll do it on a one-to-one basis rather than publicly. And the more confidence you have talking to ones and twos and threes, that when you stand up and speak to a small crowd, it gets easier and easier, potentially. Communication class, hear what I'm saying? Potentially. But if we don't find our voice... Sometimes we kid ourselves and we tell ourselves we've not got the choice to find our voice, but you have got the choice. There are games that people are playing and they found their voice because they put people into cages with their voice, with their rules. But with the same voice that puts someone in a cage, gets them out. Come on. Every day you pass people who are oppressed. Every day you go to work with people who are stressed. And it's your voice in the marketplace, in the workplace, in the family that can help bring peace and breakthrough to many of those people. Your voice, your voice can do that. Not just my voice, your voice. Your voice in the family as father and as mother. Sitting down, talking with young Paige, for instance. You know, just talking and guiding, keep saying the same things over and over again. You know, the, the, the hardest thing for any parent, or not even a parent, count, I learned something a long time ago about counseling, and here's the lesson. Say the right thing and just keep saying it. Just keep saying what's right. Now, people want you to keep saying something different, but the truth is the truth. And once you find what's right, just keep saying it. I've raised kids like that. And they want you to say something different. Oh, you always say that. It's because it's the truth. And because, so when God gives us truth, he says, just keep saying it. Just keep saying what you know to be the truth. Amen? So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. People want the way in life, but they don't want the truth. But your truth is the way. But without the truth, there is no life. Or they have a different kind of life. So this is so important that we find our voice, find our truth. Everyone must have truth. You must find truth. And even when your kids fight against your truth, that does not make you wrong. That makes, as long as you know it's truth, just stay on it, stand on it, and pray about it. Get behind it in prayer. Keep praying, but find your voice. Keep the voice the same. Don't shift the voice. Don't let the voice be shifted. People will always try and cloud your voice out, but stay the same. What you can't speak, pray behind. Come on, pray behind. You see, two years ago, Phil and I were shared in a room in Malaysia, and God woke me up in the middle of the night, and do you know what he said to me? In the middle of the night, pray for a wife for your son. God, I'm asleep. 
Can't you tell me that in a day? No, Tony, because there's some things I need to tell you. I know what I'm saying and I know how to say it. So when Scott's in Australia, I'm thinking, does he need a wife now? God says, I didn't ask you where to pray, who to pray for. I just said, pray for a wife for your son. So all I've ever done is pray for a wife. Now, Scott's had different relationships. All of them, of which I didn't agree with. But guess what? God says, pray for a wife. That's why he's saying pray for a wife. You don't have to mess around if you know what's your wife. Who's your wife? So I learned a lesson. Obedience first. So what God was saying is, Tony, I want your voice. Come on. When God tells you to start praying about something, that's God saying, I want your voice. You've got to start seeing it like that. But we think getting our voice means I have to speak this way. Well, it will do at some point. But sometimes you may have to spend a season in prayer. That's your voice. You must learn to find your voice in prayer because heaven responds to your voice. Hell responds to your voice. The environment responds to your voice. Everything responds to your voice because God has put his word inside of you so his word coming out of your mouth is still your voice. Amen? Because... It can't get into the atmosphere unless it comes through your gateway, which is your mouth, which is your voice. So God wants us to have a voice. Be a voice. Not a noise, not just a sound, a voice. A clear frequency. A clear frequency. This is so much in my heart that it won't let go. I know God is trying to turn us inside, outside as a church. God does not want us to have a a church where we're all sat on our backsides doing nothing. That's not church. That's called a Sunday gathering. But the true church, we don't go to church. We are the church. The church goes to work every day. The church goes out every day. But it meets here once a week or twice a week if we have an authentic sonship. But the church goes out every day. You're the church. You don't carry a keyboard on your back. You don't carry a guitar on your back. You don't carry a hymn book on your back. You don't carry a Bible on your back. You are the message. But God is trying to get you to open your mouth so that the kingdom can come through your mouth. Some of you have got some fantastic positions in work. Some of you have got some great influence in work. Your skills that God's given you, the grace that God's given you, you've got, you can get your way into, into the king's palace with your skills and your graces. But the trouble is, what good is it being in those places if you can't hear your voice? If heaven can't hear your voice? Some of you want promotions. Why? Well, I want a better salary. Is that all what it's about? Can't a promotion lead you to a greater level of influence? Surely promotion should be about influence. How can I do my job better? How can I affect more people through what I do? How can I speak up? Maybe there's another clientele of people in the next level that you should be on that you can't reach unless you go through that door. It's not, don't just see money. See the next level of people that behind that, that, that uh, position. See, doors will open up. When you carry a level of authority on the earth and, and spiritually, conversations you can have with people that you could never have had at another level. You've got to see how God wants to use you. This is so key. I'm saying all the time, God, get me out of church. Get me out of the church. Get me out to where the people are. I want to talk to people. I want to train people. I want to go to the nations. I want to go into the nation. I want to do a lot of things. I I, I get bored sat in church. I've got to find ways to get out. Why? Because I'm not built and born to sit in here. 
Hello? I'm not born to sit in here. You're not born to sit in here. You were born to be a voice. Amen? So, Dave, can I trouble you for the next video? If it's not as painful as the first one. I can hear it. You might have to get rid of it. Oh, it is. Hey, Holy Ghost. I want you to watch this, if you will. Each one of those religions there have a voice. Look what they've done with that voice. Look how much territory they've taken with their voice, their philosophy. It's an amazing thing to think that what starts off with one person is transferred into another and to another. The rate of multiplication when the enemy begins to sow his seeds of discord and begins to sow alternative philosophies and religions, how fast it can take over the earth. But when the Spirit of God begins to move and he finds people, game changers, who will carry the voice, look how much the world was influenced by Christianity. Now, we see in that video there, we see from time to time how the pendulum moves and swings how one religion will have a foothold in certain nations and certain continents more than another. Now, 
our Bible tells us that the, that the whole world will hear the gospel. Yes, it will hear the gospel. It didn't say the whole world will be saved. It said the whole world will hear the gospel. That cannot be made possible until God finds people in his house who will carry his voice. I am committed, and hopefully you are, to see all that map finish in purple. Yes? Now, some of you instantly say, well, I'm too old, I can't go. We're talking about your voice. There's many ways your voice can be heard. There's many ways your voice can be heard. You can write, you can sing, you can, you can use internet, you can use Facebook. There's many ways you can make your voice known, your opinions known on this earth. But there is no substitute for talking to somebody. But we've got to learn to be smarter and learn to be effective because God needs your voice. Hello? Are you happy at seeing Islam all in green all over the world? I'm not. I'm not. I'm totally against that penetrating because wherever I see Islam, I see people oppressed. I see people oppressed. And wherever I see Christianity, now, see, years ago, Christianity was just as bad. The people who had Christianity was enforcing Christianity with their rules and their laws and their religions was just as bad as that for some of those people. But Christianity, as I understand it, the love of God, the voice of God, the Holy Spirit moving amongst the nations, amongst the people, it, that's, I'm all for that. I'm not in for religion. I'm not in for religion. Now, we've also got to be, be mindful of the fact when it says Christianity, it can be in anything that's not those five. It doesn't necessarily mean your brand of Christianity. I don't know what your brand of Christianity is. I'll speak for mine. Okay? My brand of Christianity is covered in there, but so is a lot of other brands. The church was never built to be weak and insipid. It was only ever built to be, weak, to be powerful. Amen? So I, I'm still... When I look at that map, and I've seen that video many, many times, I showed it last week when I was at EYC, what I want to be part of, I want to be part of that voice that's radical in seeing. Radical just means different. I don't mean fundamental ra radical. I want to be a voice pushing the gospel into as many nations as I possibly can. Now, to do that, we need to raise people up. Hello? We need to raise people up. We need to raise another, young, uh, another generation. We need to raise not only the young generation, but we need to raise this generation. Because this generation needs empowering as well. It needs empowering. Why? Because we've been in church a long time and we've sat around and we've not done an awful lot with what we've had. Come on, be honest. We've not done an awful lot with what we've learned. All we've learned to do is to sit in church and be more and more comfortable. We've learned how to operate smoke machines. We've learned how to operate nice, fancy lights and nice, fancy proxemas and videos. We've learned how to keep everyone happy. We've learned how to keep people in and build bigger buildings. But we've not learned yet how to mobilize people and send them out. This is a tragedy of the modern-day church. She's built to sit. She's not built to go. So we've got to change that. Unfortunately, I'm a voice that's going to go the other way. I'm going to change the rules of the game. And I know... Phil and Paul and many of you feel the same way. We will not allow a church to be built where people sit. You don't have your chair. You have your voice. But you don't have a chair. Why? Because next week we can take the chair away. 
You didn't sponsor that chair. You didn't buy that chair. But only in the mentality of religious people, that's my chair. Yeah? So we, no one has a chair in here. We supply you with a chair. That's called free. And when we come to our building in the spirit, there are no chairs. And you've learned to work around that, which is beautiful. And that's good flexibility. But, you know, I remember the day when we first put those chairs out in building in the spirit. We had two rows and people sat on the back. Two rows of chairs and they sat on the back. So we removed the front row. These are the silly games that we play. Because we have this thought that if I'm sat on the front row of the church, I'm going to get done by God. Guess what? Like, sat on the back row. Do you think God, do you think from here to there is a lot of eternity? The Holy Ghost can get you anywhere. But if you're actually near the door because you don't want God, well, what are you doing here? You know, God knows where you live. Sitting on the back row of church doesn't change anything. It doesn't. So the, but this is the games that we play in our minds. But God wants his church outside. That's where she was designed. When you read the book of Acts, what's it call it? It's not called Acts. What's it called? Acts of the... And where were the acts done? They weren't done inside. They weren't done inside. They were done outside. What we do is we come inside to learn about what was done outside. How strange is that? We come inside to learn what was done outside. Oh, Lord, help us. So here we see in 2 Samuel chapter 22. See, there is a Bible verse. In my distress, I called to the Lord. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God from his temple. He heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. So, in my distress. So, think of this. The man's in distress. And in his distress, he begins to call out to the Lord. And the good thing is, as he called out to God... From his temple, so he was in, he was in, we'll call it church, say for instance. Heaven begins to hear his voice. And my cry came to his ears. So what was the instigator? No, trouble. Trouble. In my distress. Out of his trouble came a voice. Right? And the interesting thing is this, is trouble will find you. Trouble will find you. But our voice cannot always come out of trouble. If the only time heaven hears our voice is when we're in trouble, you're in trouble. Hello? If the only time heaven hears your voice is when you're in trouble, guess what? You are in much more trouble than you could ever imagine. Boy, you are a person with a trouble. That doesn't mean to say that when you get troubles, you're in trouble. Does this make sense? I'm talking if that's the only time God hears your voice is when you're in trouble. It's okay being in trouble and God hearing your voice, but that can't be the only context. We've got to learn to find our voice on the mountain, in the valley, out of prison, in prison. When the sun shines, when it doesn't shine, when it's raining, when it's snowing. 
what all the circumstances in life surround us, your voice must be heard at any time. But notice here, I called out to my God from his temple and he heard my voice and he came to my ears. My cry came to his ears. God can hear your voice. This morning I was praying and I just said to the Lord, Lord, I know you can hear me. I know you can hear me, Lord. And that gave me great confidence to know that I don't have to shout. I just have to speak. And I'm talking to this invisible God who's in the room. But I know he's in the room, so all I have to do is speak because I know he's in the room. Because faith says, Tony, you don't have to shout. When you cry to God, it's because you're in distress. Because the situation is beginning to overwhelm you. You feel like you, you, you can't breathe, you can't get your way out. So that cry is perfectly acceptable. But notice, that cry gets to heaven and God hears. But it's not always a cry that God needs to hear. It's not always a cry. But thank God he hears our cries. But what about when we're not in trouble and, I just, and I'm walking, say for instance, I'm walking down the street and I just say, Lord, I love you. Do you think God's hearing that prayer? Of course he is. God's still with you. He still hears your voice. He needs to hear your voice. But he can't only hear it when you're in trouble. Because you're only interested. Wait, see, when you're in trouble, you can only receive in one way. Have you noticed that? When you're stressful, you only look for an answer in a certain way. But when you're fellowshipping with God, God can speak to you from the left, the right, the front, the back. Amen? God can speak to you any way, how he wants. When, when the sun's shining, God can speak to you any way he wants. But when you're in trouble, it's almost like you only expect God to speak to you that way. You're expecting the answer. True? So you're systemized inside your head to receive. If I don't hear certain words, then God hasn't spoke. But what happens if he has spoke, but you can't recognize it? Because you're expecting him to do it one way. So in Job 37 verse 2, it says, listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unleashes his lightning beneath the whole heaven and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of his roar, his thunder with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, fall on the earth, fall in Manchester. And to the rain, shower in Manchester. Be mighty, downpour, definitely Manchester, so that all men, he has made known his work. So we see here, picture this scene. When God speaks, look what happens. The rumbling that comes from his mouth. Now, notice we didn't say ramblings. We said rumblings. Here we have a happy and, see, when we're happy and we're rejoicing in God, you know, God speaks to us, like I've already said. We, we feel that when God speaks to us and it's on a sunny day, we see the mighty, majestic power of God's voice. Don't we? When we're skipping like a calf and it's a great day in God, we, we appreciate the mighty splendor of God's voice in our lives. Don't we? And when we're in trouble, we doubt whether he'll speak to us. We doubt whether he still loves us. We doubt whether he's heard our cry. And we doubt 
whether he will appropriate to our lives that which we need. So we say, I need healing. So then we play that smart game. I know God's healing, but will he heal me? We don't put our faith with the word. We put our language to our feelings. But is he still the same God that rumbles from the heavens? Of course he is. Does lightning flash when he speaks? Absolutely. Now listen to what he says here. Picture the image here. Rumbling comes from his mouth. Grumbling comes from the saints. Rumblings come from God's mouth, but grumblings come from our life. Yeah? But he speaks to the lives of his saints from his rumblings. Very often we speak to God through our grumblings. See the difference? God can be majestic and powerful and speak to us. The Bible says that the skies proclaim his glory. So look at the sky more and more. Look at the sky more and more. What is the sky proclaiming? Sometimes you see these photographers and they take pictures of the midnight sky. And depending where you are in the world, the sky changes, doesn't it? The sky, you know, like when I was in Swan Hill in Australia, I looked up at the sky. Whoa, I've never seen stars as big in all my life. I felt like I just pulled them down. I'm lucky we get, if I can see a star around here. Yeah, the clouds are, are always there. But in certain parts of the world, you see that aurora borealis. You can see, um, you know, the, the, light, the northern lights, as we call them here. They call them southern. That's what their church calls southern lights because they have a similar thing in the southern, southern hemisphere. But in the northern lights, we see all that, the sky lighting up, don't we, green? And we see it all moving. We go, wow, what's God saying? The skies proclaim his glory. So, so God is speaking from the sky to us. Now you have to fellowship with him to know what his voice is saying. Yes? To the astrologer, he just gives you a scientific fact. But we know the God who created it. But what is the God, what is that creator saying to us when we look at the sky? He's saying, I'm awesome. I'm, I'm awesome. You, you know, you've got faith in me. I can do whatever I want. When I speak, lightning comes. When I speak, snow can come. When I speak, hail can come. When I speak, thunder. I can do anything I want because I'm God. That's the God that I've allowed you to walk with. And all the scientists can do is give you the mathematics or the physics of why cloud bangs this and the heat comes up and bangs and smacks. No, no. My God creates it. So then he says, he, unle he unleashes the lightning beneath where his saints are often just a mere flash in the pan. We're the flash in the pan. He's a lightning beneath us. After, after, comes the sound, sorry, after that comes the sound of a roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. When his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. So when God, God aren't you glad God's found his voice? What would you do if God didn't have a voice? You wouldn't know him. Sorry, did I just say something there? We wouldn't know him if he didn't speak. Are you sure about that? We only know a God because he speaks. He speaks to us. And because he speaks to us, he allows us to know him about his goodness. So if God speaks to us, how much more can we not use that same illustration on society? 
If we don't speak to society, how can they know what we know? Hello? God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. So, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 7, it says, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I called out to my God from his temple, and he heard my voice come to his ears. So God speaks and sets thunder and lightning to get the whole world's attention. One man speaks and gets God's attention. So when God speaks, he expects to get our attention. And when we speak, we expect God to listen. Come on, think of this. When God speaks, he's looking for someone to hear his voice. You see, very often, when prophets speak, God will show them wonders in the skies. I've heard many prophets say, in fact, some of you won't even know the Kansas City prophets. God gave them a sign in the sky that I think it snowed for three days. And God was saying, now's not the time of the move. And I'll show you and I'll send snow for three days. And it, and it, it did. And he blocked off that part so nobody could come in from anywhere else in the, in the States to this church. And they were saying, Lord, we need a sign. Are we ready to launch, to announce the move? And God says, no. And he put it back one year. He put back the move, his own move, one year in Kansas City. Why? Because the prophets wasn't ready. So when they spoke and they prayed, God heard them and sent a sign from the sky. This is, if you read the account, this is what happened. I think it was three days. can't remember. But the issue is this. So when God speaks... He's expecting somebody on the earth to hear him. And when we speak on the earth, we're expecting God to hear us. So a voice is very, very powerful and necessary. True? So you need a set of ears and you need a, set, and you need a voice. You need to hear what God's saying so you can proclaim. Amen? So God can hear what you're saying and back what you're doing. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when I looked at that and I heard what Dan was saying, he climbed a mountain. I thought, yeah, that's Dan up there. The top of the mountain. Your kingdom come. Now, if God's kingdom is going to come, who do we think it's going to come on? Come on, think about it. It's going to come on the earth, but who are, who are the representatives that's going to carry the kingdom on the earth. We know that God's kingdom will come, and in fact is, has come, and is coming every day. That's a fact. But if we're honest with ourselves, let's be brutally honest with ourselves for a second, we've not always been the ones that God's used. Because we're busy with our lives. We've got this crazy theology that God will somehow do it, and he doesn't need to use me. So God's going to do it beyond you and he's got to choose somebody else. So you've actually, by that kind of thinking, you've actually taken yourself out the process. So God can't use you, but we still out. So somehow we still sing your kingdom come, your will be done. But the challenge to us has to be, who is the kingdom going to come on? How is the kingdom going to come? 
Where is the kingdom going to be released and when? God is looking for a vessel on the earth. You coming to church does not release the kingdom one way, I would say. It doesn't. God does, the kingdom does not get released when we're sat in here. The kingdom power is out there. Now, the kingdom can be released in here because we can pray for people, we can deliver people, we're speaking. So in one sense, what I'm saying is that the kingdom message is bigger than this room. It's got to go beyond us. And, you know, every time I pray and I'm find I'm praying more and more these days, I cannot move beyond this kingdom come. I'm, found, I'm finding that I found my message in life. I've heard Dr. Jonathan speak to us every year as national leaders and as international leaders. I've heard him speak many, 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 many wonderful things into my life, of which I hope he keeps on doing. But you know, this message so resonates within me. It's almost like I don't need another preceding word. I've got it. But that's not, that's not right to say that. But that's, I sense that. that I found, Tony's come and found his message. And it was always there. But it took time for me to grow and develop and mature and see. Because I see every time now, when, that, when I align myself up to that, that is my purpose my destiny now when I bring that the church we see and I stand it alongside that that's why we see a church hello that's why I see a church we see a church whose heart is to fulfill the purposes of God through everything she does what does that mean to see his kingdom come to see his will be done to see Christ revealed. Now we reveal Christ inside the church and we reveal Christ outside. To see the church reformed. What does that mean? To see people's lives transformed. To see the church come in to its very purpose of which Christ brought, manifested his church on the kingdom. And then when the saints begin to arise, they begin to go out with this kingdom message and as a result, the city, little by little, becomes transformed. My family gets transformed. My work colleagues get transformed. Why? They don't get transformed unless you can reveal Christ. You must be able to reveal Christ. And how do you reveal Christ? By your life. So as they see your life, the kingdom becomes, the kingdom is coming on earth. Every time I pray for someone or I speak, they're seeing aspects of the kingdom. Every time I show generosity or kindness to somebody, the kingdom. Every time I see sickness, you know, vanish from someone's body, I see the devil driven out and I see the kingdom advance. Every time I see someone who's been tormented by spirit, evil spirits and, I, and they get delivered, I see the kingdom has advanced. Every time I pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Every time I'm speaking what God wants me to say, his kingdom is coming. It's that simple. Doing what he wants me to do, where he wants me to do it, at the time he wants me to do it. His kingdom's coming that way. I'm not expecting the postman to deliver it. I'm expecting the Holy Ghost, as I move and join my faith with God, his kingdom will come in my life and signs and wonders will follow the preaching. But there has to be a voice for the signs and wonders to follow. So we don't, we got, we've become all voice in the church, but no power. 
And it's time God's bringing us back to society where the society needs the kingdom's power. You've no way of changing this culture, this society, without the kingdom's power. If it was good enough then, it's good enough now. There is no power greater than the kingdom, but the trouble is, we've not tapped into it to prove that. We believe by faith. What about, what about believing and having an experience? See, last week when I saw those young girls get in, get in touch, what the young girl, she, she said, well, the, the, the girl whose, whose arm was damaged when she plays the violin, she said, I'm in worship and I'm on the floor. And I could see her, she was in, in worship on the floor. She says, and as I'm worshiping, my arm is sore. I can feel it. She says, and I could feel this wrestling going on. She says, and every time the wrestling kept going on, I kept speaking. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And she kept saying that over her own life, over her own sickness. She said, and suddenly I felt the shackles just break off me. So that girl, she's a sweet little girl. And she gets up and she, came, she comes over to me and she says, I want to show. And she's really emotional because she's had a breakthrough. She, she doesn't know how to interpret everything that's going on, but she knows she's had a breakthrough. And she's saying, you know, she's explaining to me what went on in that moment of struggling to worship. But what broke through was a voice. She kept on speaking. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. And it's interesting, that song came to us in the building in the spirit. Now we put it together as a song, and when we were in the spirit, the same breakthrough took place. She's in the spirit. So she's got an experience of the healing power of God. So he said, what do you need to do with that now? Take it outside. The same hand that you've been healed, go and lay on other people. Let the kingdom come through you. God's given you a voice. God heals. She's not only going to go back to play a, uh, a violin. She can go back and say, I know my God heals. I know my God heals. Interesting how God said to Joel, Joel, you've got to come off from the drums you got to find your voice. God said that to him. Now, that drum, he's brilliant. He's brilliant on those drums. But guess what? Do you not think God knows that? But how do you think God wants to use Joel? Joel, he's, has he not used him in the drums? Yes. But guess what? You can't speak to people set behind the drums. So, he's got an audience of one. He plays for the king of kings. But the issue is, God wants him to find his voice outside. These young people, even Tambacani, one of the most shyest guys you ever see. But when he finds his voice, he'd be radical. So we keep saying to him, son, find your voice. Son, find your voice. So when I said to him, Tambi, I need you tomorrow to come and speak. Whoa. He said, and he, he put back on it. No, I don't think so. So I sent him another message saying, I don't agree with no think so. Get ready tomorrow. We need to hear your voice. So you've got to encourage them to find the voice. Now, you're okay with them sat there, coming back, telling you what God's done. But when was the last time you stood up here and told us what God did with you? Oh, okay. So is God doing something with you? Well, yes, of course he is. How dare you suggest God's not doing anything with me? Well, guess what? I've got no evidence unless I hear it. I'm not a mind reader. Well, you know, well, uh, well, you know, you know, I don't like doing that thing, standing up in front. 
Da-da. You think we all do? So if you don't stand up in front, what's the chances of you telling somebody else? Ah, so then you haven't found your voice. So you've had this wonderful breakthrough. So what you've done is you're used to God hearing your voice in trials and troubles. So you can cry out to him when the crocodiles are biting. When the pond's been drained and the crocodiles are biting, you know how to cry out. So whoopee, that's great. That's one lesson. But what about when you're not in trouble now? And let's learn to find your voice when you're not in trouble. That's the one. That's the one. And let's change the nature of your trouble from backsliding to actually, Lord, I'm praying for five Hindus here and they want to kill me. Let's change the nature of the trouble. Let's get God on the scene faster. Yeah? God, if you don't come through for me this morning, I'm gone. Lord, I've got to go into a board meeting tomorrow and I know I've got to say something about you to somebody in that room. Lord, if you don't come, I'm finished. That's a different kind of trouble. That's a different kind of cry that gets him on the scene. You know what he says to me? Son, I don't have an emergency number. You do it and I'm there. There is no 999. There is no 777 up there. That's the number of perfection. There is no telephone number that God responds to. He's not on the switch. He hasn't got a switchboard. He doesn't have a switchboard. The moment you begin to speak, he's there. Amen? He does away. He doesn't have to employ people. He's just God. He has no, he has no secretary. So, let's stand to our feet. Just, time's gone by. I just didn't realize. I don't apologize, but I'm just letting you know. <laughs> time's gone by. It's an abrupt end, but it's never the end. It's the end of the beginning, but it's not the beginning of the end. Father, we want your voice. We want your kingdom on earth. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on the earth. Father, I I love this body. I love the body you've given us. I love the people, love the church you've given us, oh God. Father, you love it. You love these people more than I could ever love them. You gave your life for them. Father, they're your people. So, Lord, in their struggles this week, I pray, oh God, that you'll help them to find their voice. That, Father, as they learn to cry out to you, that you will begin to give them the confidence and the boldness and the courage to find their voice and to begin to speak out so they can become a game changer. Holy Ghost, I pray, oh God, that this Word this morning, Lord, is more than just a Sunday message. But Lord, it will become the food that we eat and meditate on this week. It will be the the nourishment, oh God, feeding our bones. Father, make us conscious this week of our surroundings. Make us conscious of our surroundings. Make us conscious of people's needs in our surroundings. Give us the courage to speak to them according to what we feel and sense in our hearts. Help us to overcome fear. Help us to overcome the fear of speaking out and speaking up. Lord, we want to be a witness for you. We want to be a witness for you. So Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, come on, just raise your hands if you will. 
Holy Ghost is going to give you the boldness and courage and sensitivity for you to be aware that God is going to walk into your room this week in your office, in your home, wherever you are, God's going to walk into your room this week and you're going to feel the sense to have to speak. You'll either speak to him personally or you'll feel the need to go and speak to somebody else. Now, you may ignore it. And God's big. God's bigger than that because God knows that there's many opportunities and we ignore some. God's legislated for you ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know he's coming back. Because he wants to bring you, he wants to show you that it was his voice that you heard. And that when you chose to ignore his voice, it's still the voice coming back. So once you know the voice, then that clears up one misunderstanding. Was it God's voice? Now you know it's God's voice. Now you'll have a different response. You know we'll be different. So Father, right now, I pray the Holy Ghost, make your presence known in our midst this week. Give us your voice. Show us pictures. Give us impressions. Give us thoughts about those people that you want us to speak about, speak to. Father, we ask you to lead this church out into the marketplace under the protection of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a stand ovation. Thank you.